Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Are you stressed about insurance? Get a custom insurance policy at a good price that lets you rest easy knowing your business is covered in case of a loss. With over six years of experience specializing in insuring small to medium-sized businesses in Ontario, your focus should be growing your business and ours is to protect it. Contact on at theinsurers.ca. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 65. and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake and here with me again is Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. Ready How's for another going? one? I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm all pumped from stuff. that interview we just finished. I know it was really good, really good, really interesting to learn about Vancouver. We only had a few guests on from out west, so I, I was really interested, actually, just genuinely interested to hear what they had to say about the area, and there was some really cool stuff. Yeah, I like those guys. We just finished our interview with Adam and Matt Scalina, and they're the hosts of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and also active investors and real estate agents in Vancouver area. So um, that interview is coming up right after we do our intro here. So, Sandy, what advice do you have for the listeners? Listeners should definitely, definitely right now go over to BreakthroughRAPodcast.ca. Grab our free download there, our free report, which is a new report for the first time in a long – well, it's, it's actually been up for what a month or two now, right? And it is called The Ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth through real estate and it's going to really guide them down a, a path of creating wealth quickly and through some really cool strategies that we, we teach there. So go grab that report, breakthroughrapodcast.ca. Perfect. And also uh, go to iTunes and give us a rating and review. If you would, please five stars always would help us get the show out there to other people who might be interested in this kind of content. I'm always blown away by the amount of new reviews that we have. And these ones are all five stars. It's been a while since we've got any. Um, no, it has been because I think like actually really the only complaints that we were getting 
was when the show was edited poorly or there would be a lot of, you know, ums and ahs or maybe our questions didn't come out quite right. But ever since we got that right, I mean, the content of our show has always been really, really good. We talk yeah. to people with just so much to share and nobody ever holds back. So, I mean, we just keep getting all these five-star reviews and I, I love them. So I'm going to read a couple of them right now. There's been a whole bunch that have come in since last time we did a show, so I won't read them all, but I'll start here with this first one by Jameson L. And I believe it's a he says, great podcast, five stars. I am a realtor in London. And so I'm guessing that's London, Ontario, uh, in the London area. And it's been great listening to something Canadian. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is from England, but I don't know. This is a great podcast for new investors looking to break into the market or existing investors looking to gain some drive and momentum. Excellent content and guests. Keep up the good work. The next one is from Brian from Edmonton. Nice to know that uh, people out in Edmonton are listening to the show as well. He says, awesome podcast, five stars. My business partner and I love your podcast. Listen to every episode and we'll continue to listen. This is the only valuable Canadian REI podcast I have ever found. Well, now you'll <laughs> learn of one more after you listen to this interview. So anyway, tons of good information. I only wish there were more guests from Western Canada. And again, after you hear the one today, you'll be happy to, to know that we're trying to hold up that side as well. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to all the future episodes. I like that. Oh, that one was perfect for today. And why don't we, why don't we throw out there that, I mean, we do have people asking to come on the show. We have a lot of great guests that we bring on. Like we actively approach people to come on our show. If you were someone out there listening and you feel like you'd be a great, great fit for it and you have some knowledge to share and you're in, especially in some of the other areas that we haven't tapped into before, you know, like East coast maybe or out West, like that one just said. I mean, reach out to us, right? Info at breakthroughreapodcast.ca and let's connect and see if we can collaborate in some way. You know, I think one of the things about this show is it only comes out once a month. So right now we've got four months worth of guests lined up already. A bunch more, you know, who have been interested in coming on the show. But that is one of the things that sort of happens. I mean, it doesn't take long for a couple of people to be interested and then their interviews are three or four months out, right? Yeah. So... But definitely, if there's anyone that's interested or thinks that they could add to the show, then please let us know. I'm just going to do maybe, I don't know, what, two more? Sure. So this one is by Cindy, not a nickname. I've binged through all episodes, and I'm going through them again. My husband and I have one property, two doors. So, so many great guests, links, and love the casual but passionate approach to the podcast. Thank you so much. Hope to meet you at some point from Cindy. And that was a five-star review from her as well. Uh, let's go one more. This one is from Fire Fritz. He says, not too shabby. Five stars. <laughs> hey, fellas. I'd like to tip my hat to you guys and your amazing guests. Their information and content that you provide is excellent. You leave no stone unturned. You ask the questions that the new investors need to know. I'm currently finishing up my third rental unit and hope to refi in the near future and pull all or most or more of my initial investment out. Keep the shows rolling. I look forward to another 60 episodes at least. <laughs> uh, Brian Fitzgerald. Well, cool. yeah. So, and there's a couple of more and I wish that we could read them all, but again, 
we had a really fun time talking to these guys. Here's our interview with Adam and Matt Scalina. Okay, so we are here today with Adam and Matt Scalina, the hosts of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and agents out in the Vancouver area. So thanks, guys, for being on our show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. And we had the pleasure, Sandy and I both, of being on your podcast just recently as well. So uh, if anyone's interested, look over and look into that one, which I think will be out soon, right, guys? I think it's actually released today. So we're pretty excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so February 21st, this might not be out on the 21st, but that's when it's coming out on our end. Perfect. All right, so if anyone's interested in hearing Sandy and I be interviewed for once, then go over there and check that out. So guys, just maybe maybe Adam, you start and uh, tell us about yourself first. Sure. We have a real estate team in Vancouver. There's 15 people on our team, including support staff, and our office is in Yaletown in downtown Vancouver. We kind of service the Vancouver proper area, but we also uh, have people on our team that service the greater Vancouver area. And uh, like you mentioned before, Rob, we're hosts of the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm available also on iTunes and VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And uh, also Matt and I are both very active investors in the market. We're always looking for opportunities for our clients and uh, for ourselves as well. And what about, do you have like family, kids? What do you like to do? <laughs> no, no, no. Just a 24 <laughs> 7 thing. No, uh, yeah, this is Matt here. I have a daughter. She's six and a wife and live in East Vancouver. And yeah, what else? Yeah, well, like I, skiing. <laughs> I also have a, I have a wife, no kids, but yeah, we're both uh, avid skiers. Avid skiers, family men. When you say you're very active real estate investors, then uh, maybe tell us about how you got started and then, you know, guide us through your journey from then till now. Sure. So the journey really started around 2009. Matt was out in New York finishing his PhD and I was drinking beers in uh, Victoria with my girlfriend at the time, her father, who was a very active real estate investor. At the time, he had about 65 doors or so in around there and probably has since doubled it, but he's, uh, he's been very successful. And that was kind of my introduction into real estate. It was, he was, uh, he was basically your rich, your was, rich dad, right? He was my rich dad. He was my, my, all, we also have a poor dad. What you're saying yeah. is uh, screw the BA, just drink beers with someone who invested well, real well. <laughs> Yeah. The PhD. Yeah. Screw the PhD. Was but, PhD? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, it was really, I mean, you know, we spent kind of many a nights whenever we'd go visit them in Victoria, we, we would spend nights where he kind of was willing to share with me how he kind of built his uh, portfolio Really interesting guy, retired when he was in his late 30s. And, you know, his lifestyle at the time, I mean, constantly kind of, you know, he'd wake up, he'd go to the gym, he'd spend most of the day kind of hanging out in like a silk bathrobe, almost Hugh Hefner style. He was enjoying life. And at the time, it was the first person I knew that had actually really successfully pulled off a, uh, you know, well, yeah, building and, an empire. And you would tell me at the time, and I wasn't in my late 30s at the time, but you know, when you're in school for a long time, pushing into your 30s, and then you hear about a guy who's retired at 38, that's a pretty attractive proposition. You start to question your life choices. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things that always sounds like a gimmick. It sounds like it's too good to be true. It's made for the guys who actually make the infomercials and get people to sign up for their courses. Those yeah, are the exactly. guys that are actually living exactly. that life, right? Or you kind of, I remember thinking about 
hearing this story and being like, okay, but you know, what kind of, uh, you know, this guy was born into, uh, you know, the lap of luxury with money bags, you know, around his baby carriage or whatever. Right. And that's the thing is he, he actually came from very humble beginnings. And, you know, that was my first exposure to the idea of passive income, the idea of kind of building a portfolio. And that really triggered me to get my real estate license. And uh, when Matt visited, I think later that year or so, he had much more to give up than I did at the time, but I kind of encouraged him to come back to Vancouver and get licensed as well. So, and never looked back. <laughs> so, what about your first investment? You want to tell us about that? Yeah. Well, my my wife and I had a condo in in East Vancouver that we bought kind of really really uh, early on in an area that kind of was uh, at the time a lot of people didn't want to spend much time there. It was kind of known as a bit of a scummy area, which now it's one of the most popular areas in the city and trades at, you know, one of the highest prices per square foot in Vancouver proper. We bought that kind of as a primary residence. Uh, and I always tell my clients, you know, or we always tell our clients, you know, invest in, in a primary residence first. It, you know, gives you kind of the best opportunity for, you know, when you are ready to sell, you know, you don't have the capital gains and, and you do need a place to live. So that kind of worked out really well for us. We were able to pull the equity out of that condo at the time. And we purchased our next place, which was in East Vancouver, a detached house that was a project house that we ended up, I think we bought it for 838 or in around there in, and in one and a half years, uh, through about $50,000 worth of renovation, we came back on the market and sold for 1.4. So it was a pretty good return. I mean, the market was very helpful, but also... Uh, yeah, it was no, a I good think, buy. It was, it was a, a good was buy, a good. but we were very strategic at the time. And kind of since then, we've we've always been looking for investments. And, and Matt, your first place was a duplex lot, which now... Yeah, I mean, a duplex lot with a basement suite, right? Which is crucial for Vancouver. But I know you guys are big on basement suites in out where you guys are. So that was my focus. It was RS, uh, single family zoned, but it was in the in the air that it was going to be rezoned. So that was an attractive feature. And, you know, getting basically half that mortgage paid every month by my tenants in the basement was a pretty attractive uh, feature of that one as well. Did you guys invest it all together or are you guys separate on everything? You know, we haven't yet, but I think it's, it it's depends. in the cards. <laughs> yeah, we've been in our business. We've been investing <laughs> together yeah, for, for a long time. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's probably we're a ways away from, I think, uh, joint ventures together. Cool. I think that's a great point too. Buying your personal property in a way. We always tell our clients and partners and everything, buy your first property, but buy it in an area where you can see yourself holding that and not necessarily having to sell it even. Absolutely. It as, make it something that's a good investment property. Mm-hmm. The duplex style there, would, I'm assuming, would have worked that way. And you can always sell it, right? But if you don't, you don't have to. It can can help you build that portfolio up. Yeah, exactly. And the latent value in the land, right? Once it gets rezoned, it's much more attractive to a larger market for sure. Totally. And then, so how did you guys get into podcasting? That you guys have a great following that on your Vancouver real estate podcast. How did you start that? Yeah, you know, it's funny because Adam and I were both huge podcast fans. I feel like I was an early adopter to the podcast landscape, you know, over a decade ago for sure. And we were we were sitting around in Vancouver. I don't know how well you guys know the city, but I mean, there's a few things people talk about all the time. You know, the weather, the Canucks, at least they used to talk about the Canucks. But, but real estate is like the topic of conversation. It's kind of like New York in that way. 
And what struck us was we were sitting around, you know, a couple of times a week, have a couple of beers. And all we do is talk about real estate and there was nothing out there, right? Like we, I was like, man, don't you wish somebody was putting out a podcast about Vancouver real estate and kind of covering every facet of it. And, you know, it didn't dawn on us super quickly that we should be the guys that, that do it. But so we started, you know, we put up the first episode, bought some mics and yeah, it took off pretty quick and started, you know, we started we were surprised that people were actually listening to it. Yeah, it was, it's funny. I mean, we kind of put out the first episode, you know, left for the day, woke up the next morning and realized that we were kind of showing up in the ranks on iTunes. So that kind of indicated to us that there was a, a huge gap for local content in Vancouver. And obviously, like Matt mentioned, people like to talk about real estate in this town. So, Well, I think that there's a huge gap as far as just relevant, actionable information for Canadian investors, you know? For sure. So people are hungry for that. And so when like Sandy and I put something out too, where, I mean, especially at the beginning, I really like, yeah, we were interviewing great people, but I think we had a lot farther to go when we first started. And I was really surprised to see that people were sort of gravitating towards it as well. So yeah, I am really happy that there is more stuff out there and I keep seeing more new stuff pop up. So mm -hmm. you guys just keep doing what you're doing. It's great. We appreciate that. And we actually, we looked at your podcast. It was one of the uh, early inspirations for us. And like we said before, when we had you on the show, we're, we're fans of your guys. And yeah, I guess for your four years, we're about half the amount of time that you've been doing it. Yeah, so that's so impressive. Funny. Yeah, well, you guys, uh, you still, what do you guys have? A hundred and a bit shows though out. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we did right well, and we kind of fell off it right at the beginning, but one of the things we decided early on was we're going to put out a show a week, no matter what type thing. And we've stuck to our guns there for, well, for most of the time we've been doing this. And it's, uh, yeah, I think it's really, people like to see that, oh yeah, it's Thursday morning. There's going to be a, you know, a new episode that comes out. Right. Perfect. Good. Well, I was going to switch gears. The podcast stuff is amazing, and everyone should go check out the show. Absolutely, uh, especially if you're in the Vancouver area. So you're also realtors out there as well, have a big team and all that, doing a lot of business. What is your approach to real estate investing with clients or on your own personally? How do you guys look at it? So uh, generally speaking, I mean, uh, the first thing we like to have is options available when we're considering an investment. So we like to have minimum three options. So that might mean, you know, is there an option to add value? You know, we're constantly looking for the crime scene property that we can, uh, you know, go in and renovate and add value. Is there an option to redevelop or to repackage a property and to sell to somebody else that wants to redevelop? You know, is there latent value in the land? Or a third option might be, is there the ability to hold the property and either cash flow neutral or cash flow positive, which is becoming increasingly challenging to do in Vancouver? But like, you know, we're also big on following kind of the direction of the city, following developers. I mean, developers have huge budgets for advertising and for rebranding communities. So Matt and I often say on our podcast, you know, especially for our clients, don't buy the pre-sale project, buy the newer building in the area close to the pre-sale project. Yeah. As, <laughs> as the neighborhood gets rebranded to X, right? Right. And it's, you I know, like that. That's great. And developers are constantly pushing the bar with recreating the price per square foot in an area. So, I mean, and everything rises with the tide. So, I mean, let them 
basically rebrand the area for you. So we're constantly looking at where developers are going. We're looking at where major changes are going or are happening in the city, exciting new communities. But Vancouver is an interesting market. I mean, we're, we're landlocked here, right? Which is different than a lot of Canadian cities. I mean, we have the mountains to the north, the ocean to the west, agricultural land reserve to the east, and we have the U.S. border to the south. So there's not much places to go, basically. We can kind of push east, but we're dealing with limited land and limited supply here. So we're kind of always looking for the next kind of affordable area because we're also chasing affordability here like you guys are in Ontario. So, And just to add to that, if you're looking at Vancouver from kind of a to cash flow, it's very difficult. But one of the things we're seeing here with the kind of explosive nature in the market over the last four years is that a lot of neighborhoods that were, and this goes back to my property, zoned single family are being upzoned, right? To, right? to multifamily and the changes, it's just such a dynamic place right now. And I think there's still a lot of opportunities here, not necessarily to be cash flow positive, but the opportunities are everywhere once you start knowing where to look. And, you know, we should mention, like, it's very much a market where people play the cap gain, right? Um, very much similar to Toronto, where, you know, investors are looking at seeing a huge percentage increase on their investment in a short period of time. And, you know, years ago, when the west side of Vancouver was very busy, we were huge proponents that people should be looking on the east side where everything there's, there seemed to be in just a huge, a gap, huge right? gap in the market where the east side was trading at a much lower price than the west side. And tons of our clients made a huge, huge amount of money by going into the east side. And when the east side became unaffordable, you know, we were pointing people in the greater Vancouver areas of, you know, areas like New West, Port Moody, Brentwood. And again, our investors made a lot of money by going to these areas, but now they're very, very expensive areas as well. So it's kind of, you know, you're chasing affordability in this way where you constantly have to be staying on top of the market and understanding where the next area is for people that are just looking for more space, right? Yeah. And better value. Mm -hmm. Tell me about this rezoning um, that's going on there. So does that actually scale up like from the higher use zonings as well? Like if something was zoned, like here it would be R3 to allow a triplex, say. Right. Right. So would they take those areas and up the density on that as well? Yeah. So what's happening here basically is the city, I mean, everybody's been calling for supply and it's got, you know, it's been the last couple of years, it's been, the yells have become increasingly louder. So the city in November came out with a plan to add, you know, over 80,000 units over the next 10 years in Vancouver proper. So just the city of Vancouver, which is actually geographically quite small. And the province just announced a bunch of new housing yesterday. So what we're seeing is along the main arteries, especially is where it's amazing to still see single family homes along all these main arteries. So those are getting up zoned to, you know, we're starting to see condo complexes all over the city where, where there used to be single family, but inside those main arteries, yeah, we're starting at, like again, where I bought single family to duplex, but there's also the ability for infill houses like laneways, basically what they're calling gentle density. And the city now is going after some of the areas that are like the sacred west side areas that are all single family. And we're expecting that push for at least gentle density, but along some of those main arteries, it's all in the process of getting up zoned. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and just to give you a sense of just how much value the the latent value in the land is, uh, you know, some of those houses that were on busy arteries, they went from 
with land assemblies selling for about, they would be worth about 1.5 or so in our marketplace. And now they're selling for close to about 3 million bucks. So it's basically Mm. doubled their value just with the latent value in the land. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see something similar go on out here, just like a a blanket rezone to allow more density. That would be good. Okay. We need it for sure. Mm -hmm. I've heard of stuff like that going on in like Aurelia where they will just like, (laughs) <laughs> and they don't even consider what the property was used for before. They'll just like, for instance, a client of mine was buying an apartment building there and they had rezoned this portion of the land as a hotel, actually. So they're buying a hotel. And then the city came along and rezoned the entire area just indiscriminately. So they were no longer allowed to use the property for what they were planning to buy it for. It was It's really, really weird. Yeah, that's funny. A lot of people here are calling for that kind of indiscriminate zoning <laughs> in areas of the West Side where, you know, we have a guest from UBC, an economist on all the time, Tom Davidoff. And, you know, what he points out is in some of those areas on the West Side of Vancouver, the best use for that land is a 50-story tower, not a single family home, right? So, right. Politically difficult, though. Politically difficult. It's going to be interesting going forward, though. For sure. So you guys interview a lot of people on your show. Go back to the podcast a little bit. What do you think has been one of your biggest takeaways from speaking to all these different investors and industry experts over the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Matt and I are kind of forever astonished at how just by asking, people are so willing to come on our show and share with us and collaborate people that, you know, we didn't think we'd have an opportunity to chat with. Yeah. Like for instance, we're big fans of Terry O'Reilly's Under the Influence, that CBC show. Right. (laughs) So uh, we just asked Terry O'Reilly to come on. He was like, yeah, sure. And he was on like the next morning. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, we're always surprised, but we're huge fans of just picking up the phone and calling people and basically asking, look, you know, we, we share an interest. Would you like to collaborate with us or can we pick your brain about something that you've been very successful at? And, you know, another takeaway for me is just how many people that we've interviewed who have been very successful in real estate come from very humble beginnings. And, you know, I I think Matt and I have kind of, we've said it on our show several times, but I mean, real estate is one way for, I think, regular people to really in many ways, just become rich. Well, yeah, and improve your lifestyle, right? <laughs> improve your lifestyle in a, in a way that, you know, you don't have to, it's not rocket science. You know, it, it definitely takes an education, but it is a way that you can get out there and it's, it's kind of with concrete advice, go out and start investing. And even if you just make a small investment at first, with good strategies and, and good logic, you can climb your way through the market, which is great. Just adding to that, you know, one of the things that, goes back to the rich dad that Adam used to have the odd drink with uh, his old girlfriend there is uh, you meet these guys that have started so early, right? That had the foresight uh, to get into the market. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like, man, I wish I could go back 15, 20 years and have started this along this path a lot earlier. Right. I'm so jealous of the early 20s people that buy their first property. Yeah, yeah even some of the guys on our team now, it's like, God, to have that 10 years <laughs> that you have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a love-hate thing, isn't it? <laughs> you sort of, because um, I know, like I, whenever I go to a real estate group, usually they say like, you know, um, they have a little contest at the beginning most of the time. Like who came from the furthest away to, to come to that group or who bought their property at the youngest age? And like people would be like, I'm 19. 
<laughs> so like first you just start crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well, at least we were smart enough to start at some point. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Better off than never. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, okay, for sure. On that note, guys, maybe specifically in Vancouver, because I know it's a, a challenging market price-wise. What advice would you give younger people, millennials, maybe looking to get in, into the market for the first time? Yeah, I think the biggest advice I'd give would be don't be passive, be active. You have to learn the market and really you just got to get involved as quickly as you can and get in. That would be my first piece of advice. And my second piece of advice would be don't think about it so much as a place to live. Think about it as an investment because in expensive markets like Vancouver and Toronto and Canada, Really, you have to climb your way through the market through strategic thinking. Yeah, it's not not going to be your forever home. It's not going to be your forever home. And you got to make a good decision to make sure, you know, and, and that might take some sacrifice. You might have to live in an area that is going through transition or you might have to live a little bit further away than you wanted to. But you got to get into the market. You got to climb your way through the market if you want to live in a metropolitan city. If you don't want to live in a metropolitan city, then buy the home that you maybe love that works for you perfectly. Well, yeah, you know, it's tough, right? Everybody in Vancouver finds it tough. It's a tough market to live in and, and to buy in. But uh, the idea that it's going to get much cheaper, I think, is um, is not something that I'm believing in. So People have been waiting a very long yeah, time. Yeah, so, you know, it's by hook or by crook, get in. And even if that means buying out in, you know, somewhere like Chilliwack and kind of working your way back in. There's ways to do it. And one thing I would say about that is that, and this goes back to the education that I wish I had before. I mean, everybody has people in their lives that can point out reasons not to do something. And, right. uh, you know, we have people like that in our lives too. And you got to at least, if you're not going to stop hanging around with them, you got to at least shut them out and start talking to people that are finding ways to get into the market and to move their way through the ladder or up the ladder, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lack of knowledge creates fear, right? Or just when people don't know about something, they tend to just shy away from it. So that was always, if you would ever, like in my early days of investing, when you would talk to anybody about it, it was always, oh boy, you know, you're you're most likely going to lose your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of hanging around with those kind of people definitely isn't going to help you at all. Or at least, like you said, you need to tune them out if you've got to be around them. Right, for sure. At least be aware, right, that there's certain people that are going to be, you know, you can come up with 10 ideas, they're going to be able to poke holes in each each one of them. And you always can, right? It's about trying to find people that are actively searching out opportunities and taking them, you know? Well, it's interesting because Rob, you mentioned like you're part of a real estate group. And, you know, I think that was one of the most enlightening things for Matt and I is is kind of getting a seat at the table, right? And I mean, when we got licensed, we got to hang out with a lot of real estate agents at our office that were investors too. And I mean, you know, you have lunch with these people, you learn a lot, you know, you see them around the office, you get to pick their brains and you get that inside information, that inside knowledge that you need as an investor. So I think again, for millennials that are out there that are looking to get into the market, surround yourself with people that are interested in real estate, go to that real estate group or that investor group, learn as much as you can and network and create opportunities for yourself. And like you both said, like, and I can speak for Sandy and I as well. I mean, we didn't come from a whole bunch of money. None of us did. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just a matter of going and being creative, finding a way to make things happen and then doing it. Exactly. Absolutely. And inevitably there would be mistakes along the way, big and small, maybe. Hopefully the smaller ones, the better. But what mistakes have you guys made 
and uh, you know, kind of overcome them? Or what mistakes do you see other people making a lot in this game? Any advice around that? One of my biggest mistakes was selling properties along the way. You know, I think, uh, I especially if the numbers made sense, there's one condo in particular that I often think that we should have kept. You know, like Matt had kind of alluded to before, I think not getting into the market earlier was a mistake that, you know, if I had a time machine or I know we'd both kind of want to go back and invest earlier. But there was another one, you know, I was thinking about this question before. And I think one mistake that people make when they're looking for real estate or when they're doing renovations or when they're developments or whatever is that often they work with friends when their friends might not be the best person for the job. And I'm not saying, you know, maybe you have an uncle who's a realtor who might actually be an excellent realtor and maybe you should work with him. But often people have, you know, the part-time realtor uncle who they feel like they should work with because of a family connection or a friendship. And, you know, I think that's a mistake. And I think in past times when I've kind of went with a friend because I thought it was maybe the right thing to do. It's often, you know, it's resulted in one of two things. I've been treated as an afterthought or I maybe like deal with the serious clients first yeah, and then yeah, and deal then with the serious you. clients and then I'll help you. Or potentially I wasn't necessarily dealing with who I thought was the best person for the job, which in real estate, you have to take it very seriously. I mean, we're dealing with huge amounts of money, huge investments, life-changing money. And I think you have to, you know, at that point, take an objective approach and, and use the right professional. Yeah. And we should say here, like when Adam says realtor, it's it's realtor, but that can apply across the board, right? That's mortgage broker, yeah. electrician, contractor, exactly. architect. I mean, mortgage broker for me is like, if not the biggest, at least the second biggest after realtor for sure. Because if they don't understand wh what you're doing and your long-term game plan, it's just somebody that's in your family that happens to work for a bank or whatever, right. they're not going to be able to set you up properly to continue to move ahead. These things, yeah, you guys, that's a really good point. Okay, so what about reno mistakes? Yeah, reno mistakes, for me right now, I'm actually going through a project. So we often move into our renovations beforehand while we're kind of organizing because there's always a bit of a period where, you know, there's a windup, especially if you're in a city where, the permitting process takes a long time. In Vancouver, the permitting process currently Arduous. takes about six to eight months, which is an exceptional amount of time in terms of a windup. But, you know, rental mistakes that I've made is not staying on top of the permitting process and letting it drag out longer than it has had to. Another mistake I've made is uh, not having our materials selected and making sure that we can keep the pace of the contracting team that we have in place. You know, it's, it's horrible. Like when you break down the timelines and all the potential bottlenecks in a renovation, you know, there's a, a lot of potential screw ups that can add a long period of time to each renovation. So just making sure that everybody's pulling their weight. And I've been the bottleneck before, you know, I've gotten busy in my own business and I maybe haven't selected the tile or the flooring or whatever else. And they're ready for it. And then have realized, you know what, it might take six weeks for this tile to actually come in or there might be, you know, out of this supply or whatever. So I guess just being organized, staying on top of timelines, actually having deliverables and keeping like really micromanaging yourself and your teams. Yeah. And making sure it's the right team. Right. Yeah. Good point. So the permitting process, is that for any sort of permit? Is that a general timeline, six to eight months? Or is that more of a bigger project or... Can you get any more specific on 
Good question. You know what? I think if you're just doing kind of a light renovation, it's a lot quicker. It can be, you know, eight weeks if it really depends uh, what kind of permit you're pulling. But if you're doing like a, a DP, like a full studs out kind of renovation where you're doing electrical and plumbing and opening up walls and that sort of thing. Yeah. You're, you're looking at probably about six months. Well, and you're also doing a heritage house right now, which kind I'm of doing about as complicated as, as it <laughs> gets right now. I've kind of bitten off more than I can chew, but that said, I think it's going to be a great kind of finished product. But the reality is that, yeah, we're not only are we doing studs out, we're doing like we have a heritage streetscape that we're dealing with. We don't have any heritage, real status heritage, like designation, proper designation. So that's good. But I mean, yeah. you know, quite frankly, it's it's easier just to buy a house that you can tip over and rebuild, yeah, right? Once you start renovating, problem. you open up and especially if you're doing an extensive renovation, you always find something. It always adds extra costs and potentially months to your timeline. You know, one of the things we're doing is we're repouring the foundation. And I'm sure you guys have maybe dealt with that in your lifetime, but it's not an easy process and a lot can go wrong. So, no, that was interesting. Um, though. That was interesting. That is pretty long, regardless. I mean, we're, we're in Hamilton, we're like three weeks or less generally, even for somewhat bigger stuff. So, wow. And people complain here. So, I got to, that's nothing to complain uh, about. That heritage <laughs> designation is a huge pain in the ass. I mean, for the heritage, most yeah. part, I, I mean, I've known some really, really seasoned investors that have, uh, you know, we've been looking into some projects and once you find out it's got that designation, it's just, no, thank you. Yeah. Let's move on and find something else. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think Vancouver, this is the big debate that seems to be forever raging here is is about whether we deal with demand or supply and the huge bottleneck for supply is the city. I mean, from an investment standpoint, it's it's fairly positive because, you know, the idea that they're going to overbuild or, you know, that there's going to be too much supply anytime soon is just, it's, it's hard to imagine because the city just moves so slow and everything is so time consuming and calculated and, you know, but anyway. Well, this has been really fun, guys. Almost as much fun as when we came on your show. <laughs> <laughs> close second for sure. <laughs> A close second. So uh, that's great. How can people get in touch with you guys? So you can uh, head over to our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com or find us on iTunes. Or you can try me, Adam, at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah, and this is Matt, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But I do think, uh, you know, heading over to our site, we got some big buttons to to get in touch. So if you're if you're keen, that's Huge a place buttons. to go. Huge buttons. <laughs> Bright colors. Perfect. Okay, well, we'll put the link in our show notes as well. So thanks again, guys, for coming on. I I really enjoyed that. This was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll be able to collaborate another time in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us on. That was great. Yeah, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. (laughs) 